Well, let me start in about 1960 when I first went to live in North Melbourne. I didn't know then that I was going to live with a legend. I hadn't met Ruth Crowe, and in fact I didn't for a couple of years because she didn't even arrive for a couple of years. But a legend gives ideas a really long life. And that is what Ruth Crowe was doing as she walked along the street towards me, along the street where I lived, and suggested that I might like to help organise a homework club. Now, it had never occurred to me to do anything of the sort, but somehow or the other being approached by Ruth and asked to do it, I felt it was a good idea and I could do something about it. Now, that kind of experience kept on happening to me and to lots of the people who lived near me for the next 10 or 15 years. When you met Ruth Crow, she had an idea that you might want to help with or that you might just like to know about. Ruth thought that the world was always improved by people talking to each other, working out ideas together and doing things together. So she was part of a big movement in North Melbourne where people met and planned, talked about how to plan a community which was alive with people's ideas. So we met in all sorts of funny places, um, in people's kitchens, um, out in backyards, um, There was one house where you had to go up a ladder in order to get into the room where people would gather and talk. And in all of these locations, people talked about how do we have a community where people meet each other, work stuff out together and enjoy being with each other. And that eventually became codified into a big publication, Plan Melbourne, which talked about community hubs, places that were planned for people to gather in and talk to each other. And that has been really Ruth's great legacy to us. One of the things that um, was really noticeable about Ruth was how much she learnt from the past, how much she carried forward into the future from her own experience. And during the um, years of the Second World War, she had been one of the people who lived who went to the hills outside Melbourne and helped to plan the diet for children who would be evacuated during the war. And she used that knowledge from then on. And in fact, she became what I think of as a community leader in the movement of post-war reconstruction. A community that's gone to war faces the question of what good is coming out of it. Post-war reconstruction was all about the good that we could get in a society that had been through war so that the war itself was not all loss. Ruth carried those ideas through with her, um, not just in relation to food, of course, but also in relation to people's work and um, in relation to women's role in the society and how women could be retrained and reshape themselves to take to maintain a strong role in life as it was. When you saw Ruth coming towards you along the street, um, you would, if you were um, used to it, you would notice her hand move over her bag because she, in her bag, always happened to have a pamphlet that would suit you. 
in fact, she had a series of pamphlets or bits of notices about things, and she would always be ready to give you something that would help you to be involved in the next community activity. I never heard Ruth get into an argument with somebody about something. She was always encouraging and positive and somehow or the other sweeping you along with her enthusiasm. She was also, for instance, uh, one of the organisers of the International Book Fair in the North Melbourne Town Hall, which was held annually. And there were great long tables covered with books that were selling for next to nothing, all of which contained ideas that were important to people in the community. Ruth Crow lived in North Melbourne at a time when the community was changing because the Housing Commission flats were being built, public housing was being built, and replacing the old workers' cottages that had been down below the hill. Right now, North Melbourne is facing a similar big change. Where there were single-fronted, single-storied houses, there are now increasingly apartment blocks. Governments have decided that there should be a larger number of people living in the area. Governments have made these decisions and life around everybody is changing and changing very rapidly. So just as Ruth saw talking about it, planning about it, fitting people back into a major role in that change of the 1960s and 70s, in the same way she did that then, we have to do that now. We have new people coming to live and they mustn't come and live and be separate. We need a a new community that has joined together and seeks a way forward, a way forward that accommodates to different ideas about how to live in the same space. So at Refuge, that was what we wanted to talk about. Refuge gave us the opportunity to talk to people in the community about what they saw as its strengths. And what they said over and over again was neighbourliness, people talking to each other. That is a strength in our community. But they also said, right now we need it more than ever because of the big changes that we are facing as a community. So the one way of rekindling a sense of belonging, a sense of loyalty to a particular area, is to plan for areas of neighbourhood focus which are buzzing with activities of all sorts, a people-rich heart, including services and shops, commercial buildings and dwellings. Essential to this concept is that such areas are served by efficient public transport, therefore the value of such areas being sited near rail stations and transport interchanges. In the neighbourhood focus, however, people parking would take preference over car parking. Priority should be given to pedestrians, Perhaps in our discussion, we can consider... Lorna wanted to serve tea and biscuits with the Crow ladies at Refuge, right? It was a way to keep people sitting and having a conversation over a period of time. And so my collaborator, Don Waleski, and I went over to Lorna's house to talk about what she had planned for Refuge. And in doing so, Lorna served us a pot of tea, started to tell us stories kind of like the one she's telling now about Ruth Crow. We just went, this, this woman was amazing. You know, this is, this is community at that grassroots level. And so the conversation started about, well, why don't we actually make a tea? 
like a, an exclusive Ruth Crow tea. So, you know, by serving this tea, it would be a conversation starter about this woman and about what refuge was, was trying to achieve in terms of the Ruth Crow space. We ended up talking about what type of tea they would drink you know, in the 60s and 70s, what type of tea did Ruth Crow serve? You know, th this is where the conversation started. Tea strong enough to hold up the spoon. <laughs> and so um, I live in Brunswick, and Ruth Crow also lived in Brunswick um, at an earlier time. So she had quite a few community connections between North Melbourne and Brunswick. And that made me think about MacGyver's Tea. And MacGyver's is based out of the Queen Victoria markets, but also is in Brunswick. And that's where they do a lot of their blending. And so I contacted Catherine Underhill from MacGyver's and said, would you consider making an exclusive tea for this event that we're, we're doing? And I told her a little bit about Ruth Crow. And Catherine just said, I love this idea. I'll come over, come over and we'll do a tea tasting. Bring Lorna and we'll, we'll work this out. The tea that we were interested in making, we wanted it to be authentic um, in terms of the type of tea that would be served by Ruth Crow, but also something that was contemporary that people today would also like to drink. And so Catherine introduced us to a Bolshe blend, and which was which was really funny. It was a smoky blend, and Lauren had got all excited because um, Ruth Crow was also a communist. And so it just seemed like it was sort of the perfect smoky tea. Well, we thought of the smokiness that was in the tea as being as recalling the working class factory past of North Melbourne as an older community and of the flowers that were going to go into it as well as being a memory of the gardens that the women had grown and Ruth, of course, had been a gardener of, of sorts as well and the little pieces of vanilla that could go into the among the tea leaves as gradually exuding their perfume through the tea leaves, just as we wanted ideas to be gradually absorbed into the whole community. So it was a kind of lovely game, a real game. One of the things that Lorna told us in her kitchen was that Ruth believed that good things happen when people come around a pot of tea and have a conversation around a pot of tea. And so, you know, we were thinking of that purely for refuge, but it's actually turned into something more. It's a conversation starter. It's always been a conversation starter, and that's what we hope it'll continue to be. We've since all this found out that Ruth's family were in tea, that her grandfather was um, a tea blender or I'm not exactly sure yet. We'll have to check out the details. But it's one of those funny little quirky things that makes us realise that real life and ideals often come together. We've just heard from Lorna Hannon and Jen Ray talking about their ongoing interest in North Melbourne visionary Ruth Crow. 
Special thanks to Victoria University Library, Ruth and Maury Crowe Special Collection for the use of the audio archive contained within this podcast. This podcast has been commissioned by Arts House and produced by myself, Amy McMurtry, with sound and technical assistance from Michael Vessio. Arts House is a program of the City of Melbourne.